The Senate returns on Monday and will stay in session through Thursday. The House returns on Tuesday and will stay in session through Friday. Two weeks ago on the House floor, the House returned to work on Monday, June 25th. They took up and passed two bills under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday, June 26th, the House passed another two bills under suspension. They also passed H.R. 2083, the Endangered Salmon and Fisheries Predation Prevention Act. On Wednesday, June 27th, the House considered H.R. 6136, the Border Security and Immigration Reform Act, that is, the so-called Ryan Compromise Amnesty Bill. Despite the best efforts of the House Republican leadership, the bill went crashing to defeat on a 121 to 301 vote, with all 121 votes in favor coming from Republicans and 112 votes against coming from Republicans with 189 Democrats also voting against. Then the House passed the rule that would govern consideration of H.R. 6157, the Department of Defense Appropriations Bill for FY 2019. On Thursday, June 28th, the House considered and passed H.R.E.S. 9780, a resolution insisting that the Department of Justice fully comply with the requests, including subpoenas of the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the subpoena issued by the Committee on the Judiciary relating to potential violations of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. The vote to pass the resolution was 228, I'm sorry, 226 to 183. This is significant because it's the first time that the entire House had gone on record telling the Department of Justice that its its patience on document production was wearing thin. Then the House moved to consider amendments to H.R. 6157, the Department of Defense Appropriations Bill for FY 2019. The bill itself ultimately passed that Thursday by a vote of 359 to 49, and then they were done. This week on the House floor, they'll return Tuesday. They'll attempt to take up 16 bills under suspension. On Wednesday, the House is scheduled to take up H.R. 200, the Strengthening Fishing Communities and Increasing Flexibility in Fisheries Management Act. On Thursday, the House is scheduled to take up H.R. 6237, the Matthew Young Pollard Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal years 2018 and 2019, H.R. 3281, the Reclamation Title Transfer and Non-Federal Infrastructure Incentivization Act, and H.R. 2075, the Crooked River Ranch Protection Act. On Friday, the House is scheduled to take up H.R. 50, the Unfunded Mandates Information and Transparency Act of 2017, and then they'll be done. Two weeks ago on the Senate floor, the Senate returned to work on Monday, June 25th, and immediately moved to final consideration of H.R. 5895, the minibus appropriations bill that wrapped the Energy and Water, Military Construction and Veterans Affairs, and Legislative Branch Appropriations Bills into one big bill. The bill passed by a vote of 86 to 5. And the Senate voted on a motion to invoke cloture on the motion to proceed to H.R. 2, the Farm Bill. That motion passed by a vote of 89 to 3. On Wednesday, the Senate moved by voice vote to consideration of H.R. 2. On Thursday, June 28th, the Senate passed the Farm Bill by a vote of 86 to 11, and then they were done. This week on the Senate floor, they'll return tomorrow with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. on the motion to invoke cloture on the nomination of Mark Jeremy Bennett to be a U.S. Circuit Judge for the Ninth Circuit. Through the course of the next three days, the Senate will take up two other confirmations, Brian Allen Benchowski to be Assistant Attorney General and Paul Ney to be General Counsel of the Department of Defense. On the FBI front, on Thursday, June 28th, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and FBI Director Christopher Wray testified before the House Judiciary Committee. Committee Republicans, led by Representatives Trey Gowdy and Jim Jordan, 
ripped into Rosenstein for DOJ's refusal to hand over subpoenaed documents. In the middle of the hearing, the House voted to pass that resolution demanding that the Department of Justice produce the requested documents. And on Thursday, July 12th, that's this coming Thursday, FBI agent Peter Strzok will testify before the House Judiciary and Oversight and Government Reform Committees. On the Iran front, on Tuesday, June 26th, the Wall Street Journal reported that the Trump administration had threatened to impose sanctions on countries that don't reduce oil imports from Iran to zero by November 4th. This is a much shorter timeline than had been expected by buyers of Iranian crude. They had expected the Trump administration to issue sanctions waivers for nations that had made efforts to cut their imports significantly. On the leadership front, last Tuesday, July 3rd, NBC News reported that three former Ohio State University wrestlers were accusing Jim Jordan of, quote, failing to stop the team doctor from molesting them and other students, end quote. By week's end, the number of former student athletes saying Jordan was aware of the problem but did nothing to stop it had grown to seven. Jordan flatly denies the charges. Appearing on Friday evening's edition of Fox News Special Report with Brett Baer at the top of the show, Jordan said, quote, It's false. I mean, I never saw, never heard of, never was told about any type of abuse. If I had been, I would have dealt with it. Our coaching staff, we would have dealt with it. These were our student athletes. A good coach puts the interest of his student athletes first. We would have dealt with it if we would have known about anything that happened. If, in fact, there are victims, they deserve justice. There's an investigation going on. We're going to, I think, meet with them next week. We want the investigation to get to the truth. That's what we need here, the truth. On Mike DeSabato, who is the ringleader, the initial charger, who says Jordan knew of, quote, deviant behavior, Jordan said, quote, Conversations in a locker room are a lot different than allegations of abuse or reported abuse to us. I've been on the sport of wrestling my entire life. Kids wrestling, junior high wrestling, high school, University of Wisconsin wrestling, coach at Ohio State. I've got two boys who wrestled for the Badgers. I've got four nephews who wrestled Ohio State. I've got another nephew who wrestles for Iowa. Conversations in a locker room are different than people coming up and talking about abuse. No one ever reported any abuse to me. If they had, I would have dealt with it. And what bothers me the most is the guys that are saying this thing. I know they know the truth. I know they do. Mike DeSabato has a vendetta against Ohio State. He lost a licensing agreement with Ohio State. He's out to get Ohio State. He has a vendetta against our family. He was arrested just five months ago, end quote. I've included many links in the suggested reading for those of you who want to read more. On the North Korea front, Recent news reports indicate that the North Korean government has increased its production of the fuel needed for nuclear weapons at multiple secret sites in recent months, and that North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un may try to hide those facilities as he seeks more concessions in the ongoing diplomatic discussions with the U.S., according to U.S. intelligence agencies. Late last week, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo traveled to Pyongyang to meet with his counterpart from North Korea to continue the discussions over next steps. Following the meetings, Pompeo said the visit made, quote, progress on almost all of the central issues and involved what he called, quote, good faith negotiations, despite the fact that Pompeo had not met with Kim Jong-un. But the North Korean foreign ministry on Saturday issued a statement calling the two days of discussions, quote, regrettable and accused the U.S. side of unilateral demands of denuclearization. 
The statement criticized the U.S. for betraying the spirit of last month's summit meeting between Kim and President Trump, saying the U.S. had made unilateral demands on CVID, complete, verifiable, and irreversible denuclearization of North Korea. The statement called the talks, quote, really disappointing, end quote. Stay tuned. On the Russia front, President Trump will hold a summit meeting with Russian dictator Vladimir Putin next Monday, July 16th in Helsinki, following his departure from the NATO summit meeting. The president has already said publicly that at that meeting, he will raise with Putin Russia's meddling in the 2016 election. Now to the Supreme Court. On Wednesday, June 27th, Justice Anthony Kennedy announced he would retire from his position on the Supreme Court, effective July 31. He informed the president in a letter that he personally delivered to the White House that Wednesday afternoon. That was a week and a half ago. Since then, the following has happened. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, citing Majority Leader McConnell's refusal to allow Obama nominee Merrick Garland to be considered for the vacancy created by the death of Antonin Scalia in an election year, said that for Senate Republicans to move a confirmation vote on a new nominee before the November election would be what he called the height of hypocrisy. Majority, leaders, Majority Leader McConnell's laughter was heard beyond the beltway, and he then took to the Senate floor to announce he would steamroll the Democrats. McConnell promised a confirmation vote before the elections, ignoring Schumer's plea. Elections, as President Obama famously said, have consequences. Senate Democrats then shifted their strategy to centering their opposition around two topics, abortion and pre-existing conditions. That is, they will argue no matter whom Trump nominates, that adding that particular nominee to the court will threaten abortion rights and Obamacare's guarantees of coverage for those with pre-existing conditions. President Trump announced the nominee would come from the list of 25 names he's already revealed publicly. President Trump announced that he would reveal the nominee at 9 p.m. on Monday evening. The New York Times reported on Saturday that Senate Majority Leader McConnell had spoken to the president and told him that Raymond Catledge and Thomas Hardiman presented the few, the fewest Obvious, oops, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead of paragraph. As we head into the final 24 hours before the announcement of the nominee, we've heard that there are four finalists, each of whom is a judge on one of the Circuit Courts of Appeal. Brett Kavanaugh of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, who was a clerk to Justice Kennedy before serving in President George W. Bush's White House as Staff Secretary. Amy Coney Barrett, who was confirmed to her position as a judge on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals just last fall and who famously had a tart exchange with Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, who seemed concerned that Barrett's Catholic faith would negatively inform her judicial rulings. Raymond Kethledge, a judge on the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, who graduated from the University of Michigan Law School and is said to have had a very good interview last week with President Trump, and Thomas Hardiman of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, who was the runner-up to Neil Gorsuch for the last vacancy on the Supreme Court. The New York Times reported on Saturday that Senate Majority Leader McConnell had spoken to the president and told him that Kethledge and Hardiman presented the fewest obvious obstacles to confirmation, while at the same time suggesting that Kavanaugh's paper trail, said to contain multiple millions of documents, would pose difficulties for his confirmation. He also told the president that he could lose the votes of two Republican senators, Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, if Trump nominates Amy Coney Barrett, given their strong support for abortion and Barrett's strong opposition to it. Finally, 
On the staffing front, on Thursday, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt resigned his position at the request of the president. His deputy, Andrew, Andrew Wheeler, who himself was confirmed to his position earlier this year, will serve as acting administrator until the president nominates a successor. I don't expect that to happen until after the November elections. And that's our Washington Report for this week.